So let's jump into the sixth message of our Bible Says series. Has this series been a blessing to anybody else this week, this, this month? Good. It's designed to lead us into small group discussions and engagement and, and to grow in our love and our passion for the Bible as we follow Jesus. So far in this series, we've said, uh, we've asked, what does the Bible say about the Bible? What, and we've talked about it's authoritative, it's true, it's an active document. And today we're going to see from the scripture a lot of verses about this particular topic. But we're, we're going back to the Bible because we believe the Bible, right? So we ask, what does the Bible say about the Bible? What's the Bible say about Jesus? What's the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? What's the Bible say about uh, spiritual warfare? Last week was the message, what does the Bible say about gender, sex, and sexuality? And today uh, we are jumping right into what does the Bible say about money, and generosity, money and generosity. This is honestly one of my favorite topics to preach on, to coach couples or individuals about. I love helping pastors figure out how to steward the finances of a church well. It's, it's a passionate topic for our family, for Stephanie and me and for our team. Uh, it's super practical. Learning how to live right with God regarding money is going to help us all have real peace in our lives. I mean, I think uh, it's true they say the number one cause of marital breakups, of divorce, is financial stress. Everybody thinks about it every week, if not every day. It's something on our mind. It's a part of our lives. But listen, Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, some, some estimates say that he talked more about money than heaven or hell, or pa- money and power and like the whole power dynamic and, and, and having things versus things having us. He talked more about that than he did heaven and hell. He talked about it a lot. But also, it'll help your church. If we get this right, you'll have peace in your home, and it'll help your church do everything God wants us to do. I've said this for years. Uh, it's God's plan that the people of God provide for the house of God, right? And so God doesn't send, you know, gold flakes from heaven in spite of whatever YouTube videos you may have seen. God sends people into his churches And it's God's plan that the people of God provide for the ministry of the house of God. And I've said it for years, everything God wants us to do, which I believe multiple campuses are in our future and permanent locations and ownership of properties, I think that's all in the future of our church and everything God wants us to do, he'll pay for it if we will obey him in this area of tithing and giving. Can I hear an amen? So so money's a major part of our lives. Whenever you talk about money, people get anxious or nervous or they clutch things tight. Listen, money's not good and bad. It doesn't have a moral attribution. It's just, it's just what it is. It's a part of our lives. You need friends, you need relationships, you need water and food, you need shelter, and you need money. We work in our lives to earn a degree so we can get a job, so we can provide for our home and our family and make money. Money's great. It's a tool. It's necessary. And it's part of God's plan for you to have it and to use it well and with money to honor God and to make a difference, even with money. I never have a problem with people having money and lots of it. The problem for many of us is when money has us and money controls us. By the way, your level of wealth does not, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are or broke you are, money can still have a controlling grip on your life. There are people without a lot of money that man, that's all they think about. And they're always on the grind and always on the hustle and money has ownership of them. There's people with plenty of money that have more than enough and it has ownership of their lives as well. The, the issue is not having it, it's whether money has a, a hold of your heart. So let me just teach about it. I wanna give you some theological principles and, and backstory here for us to understand 
first the heart of it, then what to do with it. And then I want to use an old illustration of something I used uh, in our first year in the church here. And some of you may remember it, but many of you are new to our church since then, so you've never even seen it. But the first thing I want you to look at as you're writing notes, write this down. We want to have the right heart about money and generosity. We need to have the right heart about this. Jesus made a very challenging appeal to our hearts regarding money. In fact, he talked about it like it's a primary thing in your life that will war for your devotion and affection to God. It will pull your heart away from a devotion to the Lord. He actually gave us a stronger warning about money pulling our heart from God than even the devil pulling our heart away from God. Listen to this. I wanna show you two passages that really help us with this. Matthew chapter six, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, That doesn't diminish the fact that the devil hates you and is gonna try to distract you and deceive you. And it doesn't diminish the fact that your flesh is always gonna pull away uh, from your love for God. But the point I'm trying to make is Jesus specifically in his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, pushes really hard on this issue of our heart with money. In Matthew six, starting in verse 19, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Think about all the stuff you collect or all the stuff you're working hard to buy. All of it's destroyable, right? Either moths can eat it or thieves can steal it, right? Um, He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, let the things you treasure be the things God's treasuring. The lives change, baptisms in a river, salvation, churches being planted and growing. And, and give energy to the things that God gives energy to. Watch this. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy it and where thieves can't break in and steal. You know what, God? You know what thieves can never steal is those 120 people that were baptized. They can't take that away from them. God, thieves can't steal the salvation of a family who came because you helped plant another church on the other side of town. The, the, the thief can never rust away the lives changed by the power of God. And then he says this in verse 21. For where your treasure is, That's where your heart will be also. So I want you to just evaluate even from hearing this so far with Jesus, what do you treasure? What do you put the most energy in making sure it's advancing and happening? Is it the work of the kingdom? Is it the house of God? Is it what Jesus is up to in the earth? Or is it what you're trying to stockpile and put away? Again, I have no issue with God's people having stuff, but is the stuff the thing you treasure? Is that house and the perimeter of your land and and all the stuff you're trying to fill it with, the things that you treasure, or is it God's kingdom first? Then he goes on in uh, verse 22 and 3 about, you know, guarding what comes into your heart, your eyes are the the gateway into your soul, etc. In verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Here's what he's trying to say here. When you have two masters, you're going to be devoted to one over the other. That's just the way it's going to be. Somebody's going to get first place. Somebody's going to get second. And by nature of having a first and second, you have a I love and a I hate. That's the attitude of Jesus. We see it in other places of scripture. I love this. That means I hate everything else. And Jesus is saying, you're going to either love one and hate the other. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he pulls it back around. He says, you can't serve God and serve money. So we have to have the right heart about money. That, that, that'll be evident by what we do with money. Don't overvalue it. Don't over-treasure it. Don't lust and hustle and grind and hurt others for it. Listen to me. We are called to treasure heaven, treasure God's heart and mission more than we treasure or love or desire more money and stuff. 
Are y'all hearing what Jesus is saying here so far? Never, listen, it, it's not about having it, it's about it having you. Never let money and stuff have mastery over you. Here's one of the ways to test that. Could you lose it all? Could you lose it all and still have everything in Christ? Now, it's easy to say yes on a Sunday. But how about when that stock market flatlined over the last 12 months? Anybody else just go, I'm not checking my accounts right now. Right? Right, because we're losing it, right? And we feel that. We, you're like, oh, man, my retirement, what's going to happen? God's got you under control. Yesterday, I, um, we had uh, some good friends over and had to run an error to get something. On my way back home, there was an estate sale on the way home. And honestly, I'm preaching on this topic, and I, I pulled over in this estate sale. I'm getting to that age, y'all, where like Saturday mornings are like, ooh, there's some garage sale somewhere. I don't even know why. There's nothing in the world that I need. And Stephanie's like, I don't even know why you want that. Why do you need a turtle hanging? You're like, why? That's just random. So I, I pulled off at this estate sale because it's actually a house that uh, they've had garage sales over the years and I've popped in there before. And now it's an estate sale. Both people have died. And their daughter, their grown daughter and their grandson are hosting the estate sale. And I walked around this house and I'm just thinking about the life that this couple built with their treasures. Stuff from Germany. Apparently they had lived there in military. There's old army uniforms in the garage. And then all the little knick-knack things that we just put together to make a life. And they were reduced to a sticker of, let's get this out of here, $2, $1. I found a $100 a uh, little travel bag. It's a Toomey brand bag. Eh, you can have it for a dollar. And it's just interesting to me that that's going to be all of our fate at some point. Like, not all your kids like your junk. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they don't. Like, you're, we're, we're working really hard to store up and to have it and to keep it and to protect it. And we put security and cameras on everything. But the day's coming where we get to go be with Jesus and our kids are stuck pawning off all of our junk for two and three dollars and will you take less and don't store up for yourselves. And I told him, I was like, man, I'm so sorry you guys have to go through this. I know how hard it is. Because for them, you know, they, they live decades watching mom and dad or grandma and grandpa like store these little things and they were precious to them in the season of their life. But they've actually received a different treasure if they know Jesus. And I'm sure if we could look back from heaven, they'd go, I don't care about none of that stuff now, right? Are y'all hearing the heart of Jesus, like what I'm saying here? Like, I, I don't have a problem with you having stuff. It's if stuff has you. And so the litmus test is, can you lose it all? Then Paul writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Not returns on your investment. Not, I mean, those are great, but great gain is godliness. I live in a way that pleases Jesus all the time. I live in a way that honors the gospel and contentment. Everything I have, he's given me. Everything I don't have, he, he hadn't given me yet. And I trust God more than I trust my hustle, right? Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then I love this. He quotes Ecclesiastes here. He says, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing with us. That was so proven yesterday. He said, but if we have food and clothing, with these we should be content. I mean, honestly, think about your children. You notice... You, 
Remember when your kids were little? I mean, all they wanted was you and to not be naked all the time. <laughs> well, it depends on some of your kids. They, you know, whatever. You were struggling with them into their early teen years. Like, put some clothes on, kid. You're going outside. He said, if we have food and clothing, was that too weird? Um, we will be content. But those who desire, and he's, he's given the implica- implication there's a lust for richness. Those who desire to be rich, look at this, fall into temptation, into a snare. And it's, it's those controlled by money and desiring to have more of it all the time. They fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Notice the desire's off. The desire's not contentment in Christ. The desire is wealth and stuff and money. There's temptation there, harmful desires. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, we've misquoted this for years. Money is the root of all evil. That Bible doesn't say that. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's one of the roots of all kinds of evil, no doubt. But it's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. There it is. Desires to be rich. Inappropriate lust for more. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And look at this. This is actually a stark warning. It's through this craving, this lust, this desire for more, that some have even wandered away from the faith, which tells us that Christian people can get this wrong. These were Christians who have left the faith because of a lust for money and a desire for things. And they've pierced themselves with many, with many painful things. Listen, I just want to challenge us to come away with the right heart. I don't have a problem. You should never have a problem or feel guilty for having things and money. But we have to trust God. We have to learn that contentment comes with, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm seen as godly before the Lord. I'm trying to grow in my godliness, not grow in my portfolios only. We can guard our hearts from a love or lust for money. Have it, just don't let it have you. And one of the ways you can guard money having you is generosity is being a giver. Guard your life. Stay close to him. Listen, I want you to write down a couple terms that we use here a lot. One is generosity. This is the the condition of the heart that is totally counterproductive to the condition of a lustful heart for money. Those warnings that Jesus gave us and the apostle Paul gave us, they can be conditioned better by having a heart that says, I'm generous. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to be a good tipper. I'm going to be a big giver. My life is not my own. My time is not my own. My money, my praise and forgiveness, mercy, I'm going to give it freely. Give gifts and talents away. Some people work really hard to fine tune their gifts and talents only to keep it for themselves or to only use it for a fee. We had uh, Israel Houghton with us a few weeks, a week and a half ago, and that was one of the things we talked about, just, just letting your gift be a gift to other people and not, not extorting money for it all the time. Generosity is a heart posture that shows a readiness to give more than what's expected. It's not generous to give what's required. You ever notice that? Like, it's, it's not generous. When, you, when you're at a restaurant and the bill comes and you, you, you pay your server and they come back and you got to fill out the thing... You know, they always walk away. How awkward would it be if they're just standing there? Well, honestly, I think some of you might be a little more generous if they did. Because as soon as they walk away, some of us break out the old calculator and they're like, what is 16.5%? That ain't generous to do what's expected. Generous goes, man, I want to be a blessing. Well, they were a terrible server. They were just mean. They didn't take good care of me. Then be even more generous. Because guess what? God was generous with us 
when we were terrible and didn't care about him and didn't take good care of him either. He was incredibly generous. In fact, the heart of God is generosity. It's undeserved generosity. It's undeserved giving. Well, I'd give to my church if I could trust the pastor. Are you giving to me? Or are you giving to God? Listen, we have great parameters for money here. This is a trustworthy place for you to be a tither and a giver. But you're not giving based on my character. You're giving based on the character of God himself who freely created out of goodness and generosity. He gave us free will freely. He gave us the law to guide us. He gives mercy when we blow it. God is such a giver. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't tax us with a son. He didn't give conditions with his son. He gave freely knowing that there would be many that even rejected that. And yet still he gave. It's the heart of God to be generous. It's the counter heart to the love of money. The other word we use a lot here is stewardship. And if you grew up in churches, you know, stewardship became attached to fundraising campaigns, which by the way, we will do stewardship campaigns. We'll do fundraising campaigns because we believe God wants us to build more churches in this community. Can I hear an amen? Somebody with some vision. But listen, stewardship, it's, it's rooted in the old English word to steward, which is to manage or to govern. You are a steward. Everything in your life is on loan to you. You own nothing. Remember what Paul said earlier, we came in with the world with nothing and we take nothing out with us. So to steward is to manage or govern the affairs or the resources of someone else. Well, who owns all your stuff? God does. Psalm 24 verse one says it this way. I love this verse, it's so powerful. He says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, the earth is God's and everything in it. You think it's your car? You think it's your house? You think it's your stuff? Go to that estate sale and think about that then. Because you know none of that stuff fits in a coffin and none of that stuff makes it to heaven. None of it does. The earth is God's and everything. Everything you have is actually on loan to you. It's not your car, it's not your house, it's not your wife and your kids and your family, it's not your gifts, your job. If we have a biblical view, then God has entrusted us, God is commanding us to steward well what he's entrusted to us. And for some, he has stewarded a whole lot. And for some, he has stewarded less than a whole lot. And for some of us, we're going, God, well, won't you let me steward more? And I feel like God would go, well, I want you to steward well what I've given you so far. So we're tasked with managing and using widely, wisely. So hey, as a gift for you, we wanna help you with something. Uh, if you've never used any of this stuff, the whole Ramsey, Dave Ramsey financial piece is probably the most prominent. This book right here next to the Bible changed my life more than anything. Man, I was terrible with money. I said, as long as the ATM gave me stuff, we had money. That was my attitude when I got married to Stephanie. I'd pull out 40 bucks every other day. She'd go, where's this money coming from? You know, asking like a wise person, I'd go, the ATM. I literally would say that. She's like, no, 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 like what accounts? Whatever's on the ATM. I, terrible. So anyway, I bought this on a credit card, which is ironic. Um, but taught me so much. Talk, and we lead our church this way. We live on less than that comes in. We give generously, all that. We live on a budget, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We want to, hey, as your pastor, uh, I want to throw a QR code up on the screen. In fact, in, in the QR code is next to you guys. I wanna give all of this to you as a church, like the whole Ramsey Plus suite. Every one of you should be grabbing your phone right now. All of you, like, get on our website, lifepointchurch.tv slash smallgroups. We have the Ramsey Plus suite. It's a gift for all of you to help you learn how to steward the resources God's given you. Take it, it's for you, budgeting forms, financial peace. You can take the class with your spouse or with your family, teach your kids 
how to live, how to steward the resources God has given you well. Can I hear an amen, anybody? Are you thankful for a free gift? My goodness, you think, okay, wow. Maybe second service will be excited about it. Thank you, Austin P. Hey, God bless you guys too. Every one of you should sign up for the Ramsey Plus suite. Uh, Even if you've taken it before and you've read it before, read it again. All right, let let me go through now. Uh, So so we've looked at the heart of a generous and stewarding person. And and as God's people, listen, it's all the Lord, so just manage it in a way that pleases him. It's all God's. So so I just want to teach you how to do that. And and the Ramsey Plus suites will help you. So let me do this really quickly. And then I want to show you this illustration. Then we'll close on time. I want, to, uh, I want to teach you biblically now a practice that we, we believe in here at LifePoint Church, and we preach it, and we believe in it, and we practice it, and God proves himself with it every time. It's the practice and discipline of tithing. Tithing. Everybody say tithe. This is not a bad word. It's a Bible word, and uh, it's easy to say and to believe in, but tithe is sometimes, and for many of us, it's very hard to do. Tithe, it's an archaic word. It, it literally has a definition meaning first, tenth, Part. First tenth portion, first ten percent. Uh, it's a first fruit offering, and it's a percentage of ten percent. I want to show you this from the Bible. It comes from the religious act of bringing God your first, right? So if if the Lord were to come down and and give you a, a, a pile of goats, whatever, the idea of a tithe is that ten percent of those, the first ones that you bring out in your best, are the ones you give back to the Lord. You return a tithe to the Lord as a thank you, as an act of worship and appreciation to the Lord for giving you the group of goats in the first place, right? So many of us have this attitude, we go, I work hard for my money, I earned it. Well, you gotta think of your life in the big picture. God gave you the gifts and skills and training and talent to become an earner of those things. God gave you the gifts to even receive those. And so tithing is about returning a first portion. And it starts in the Bible in Genesis. In Genesis chapters so uh, actually in the first family, Adam with Eve and their sons, Cain and Abel, uh, Abel brings an offering to God that was left over, but Cain brought an offering to God. It's the first time we see an offering being made to the Lord, and it was an offering of first fruits. Before he ate any of the fruit that he raised, Abel brought God a gift of it first. And it says the Lord was pleased with that because it was first. Then we see later in Genesis 12, uh, where God calls Abram to be the father of many nations, and he has this victory in battle, and, we're, and, and then he was so blessed by God in this battle that he comes to a priest named Melchizedek who runs the house of worship, and the first thing he does after winning this battle is he brings God a first 10% gift to God, and he brings it through the priesthood, through the church, right, through the house. So it's interesting, God uh, and Abraham move towards one another. As, as they get closer, Abraham grows in generosity. Moses brings the law, and he normalizes that the people of God provide for the house of God through this first fruit offering. And Moses really is the one that, that codified it into this language of a tithe, a first fruit tenth for the people of God. In Leviticus 27, Moses writes, every tithe of the Lord whether it's of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. Look at this. Every tithe from the land. Every time you grow a harvest, and this is agrarian culture, right? Every time you bring a harvest, the first 10% of it, look at this. It's the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. So I want you to think about it in in, in terms of your life. Every time you have an increase of something, a paycheck, a bonus, whatever, the tithe is God's, and it's holy. My, my father-in-law teaches my girls this ever since they're little. There's a few rules 
when they go to stay with grandma and grandpa, and one of them is, if it's not yours, don't touch it. And that's the attitude that, that they had here about the tithe. It's God's. Now, does God need your money? No. Does the church go forward because we bring God what's his? Yes. Next verse 32, he said, every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff shall be holy unto the Lord. So not only does it belong to God, but it's holy to God. Like it should be holy to God. It'd be some, something like you're not writing it as a bill, you're writing it as an offering. God, this is holy. Thank you that I get to bring this to you. And Lord, may it be a blessing to you. And what we do with it, come on, pastors, should be holy unto the Lord. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, the writer of Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all that you produce. You have to remember, we trust God's word, right? And this is what the God, God's word calls us to do. We're gonna read his word and, and do what it says. So we're gonna honor the Lord with our wealth and the first fruits. And then verse nine says, then your barns will be filled to plenty. Look what God says. You honor God and then your stuff will be well taken care of. Honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The idea in the imagery there is God will provide for you as you put him first. He'll provide for you and make sure that all your needs are taken care of. Part of, the, part of the heart issue of those who have a lust and love for money is we think our success in this is on us. If I can budget it right and earn more and get another degree and get a second job, but man, if we'll just put the Lord first, God's promised to take care of your needs. Now, I get it. It's hard to believe that when you've never done this. But for those of you who have, can I hear a bigger Amen. Does God take care of you? I want you to hear from the voice of your own church people. If you're struggling with tithing and being generous and giving the first fruits and honoring the Lord and letting that be holy, I want you to hear from others in your church, not just your pastor. God will take care of you. In fact, the only place in the Bible where we're told to dare and, ch and test and challenge God is in this area of your life. Malachi chapter 3, it's a famous verse, many of us know it. Malachi, the prophet, writes, bring the full tithe, which is the full first 10%, full tithe. We don't, you can't tithe 2%. That's not tithing. You can't tithe 9.5%. It's, I don't know. Look, this is the way God designed it. So he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The Old Testament, the storehouse is where provisions were made for the people. Storehouse is attached to the temple or the tabernacle to make provisions for widows and orphans and to do ministry. The storehouse in the new covenant is the church. Bring the full tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Some people go, well, I'm gonna give some of my tithe to my church, some of my tithe to this place and some to this charity and this organization. No, no, no. He says, bring the full tithe into your storehouse. That's what God says. So there's food in my house and thereby you can put me to the test, says the Lord. It's the only place you're invited to test God. And he says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there's no more need. Now, some of us in other translations have read this, see if God will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing till there's not room and it's overflowing and you got Porsches in your car. Garage, God don't care about you having Porsches. He cares about your needs being met. And he'll be the source of your needs being met. Then look what he says. God says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. How many of you know it's good to have God on your side? That it, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, the vine of your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed. Man, you're gonna walk in blessing and people are gonna see it. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. 
This is not only obedience from us, but there's obedience from God for us. He says, I want to do this. Put me first, and I'll, I'll put your needs right. You'll be a blessing to many people. There's provision from the Lord. You don't need a lottery ticket. You need the blessing of God on your life. In fact, let me just challenge you with this. If you've never been a tither, a first fruit 10% giver, try it for three months. Try it for the rest of 2022. Just become a tither. Say, God, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to put it on my budget. I'm going to go for it. And see if the Lord doesn't take care of your needs. In fact, we offer it as a 90-day tithe challenge. If God doesn't take care of your needs, we will refund it back to you. LifePoint Church will refund everything you've given in this 90 days. But if he does, we will rejoice with you too. I'm, excuse me, not if he does. But when he does, we will rejoice with you. But I, I, I'll offer this challenge, and I prayed about it years ago. And, and I'm telling you, if, if you've never been a tither, start this month. October's coming, brand new month, and say, you know what, God, I'm going to put you first. First fruit, it's holy unto the Lord, and I'm going to trust you to take care of my needs and by the way, live smart. Don't just go, I'm tithing, I'm going to Vegas, baby. Like, be wise. <laughs> and if God doesn't take care of your needs, LifePoint will refund it to you. And then you and I will meet personally. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have a prayer meeting with the Lord. I'm going to go, God, you said, what's the deal? I've offered this for 10 years. I've never had anyone come back for their money. Amen. I've got probably hundreds of families who have said, it changed our lives. It transformed us. Hey, I want to encourage you, if you're a business owner, Tithe the gross of your business and let God put his blessing on your business. I mean, you think I'm kidding, guys. We tithe as a church. Our goal is to give 10% away. Last year as a church, we gave like 22% away because we had more than enough. And people see us blessed as a church and they're like, life going, what's going on over there? We're givers. We're generous. I can't explain it. It's God math. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> people go, well, tithing's Old Testament. I don't have to do that. Well, Jesus said in Luke 11, hello, New Testament. He's rebuking those who had a bad heart about tithing, actually. They're, they're tightwads in their tithing. He says, woe to you, Pharisees. You tithe on mint and rue and every herb, and you neglect to be just and love God. He said, you should have done that, but also you should have kept tithing and don't neglect being a nice person, too. In other words, keep tithing and don't be a jerk. So if you think about it, we all say we want to have a God first area, a God first in every area of our lives. Well, this is how we put God first. The love of money, the pursuit of greed and money and stuff and power, all of that is a, is a recipe for pain. But the way we counteract that is generosity. And generosity looks like tithing and giving. And I want to challenge you. And some of you are like, man, I'm not in a position to get there. My, I, I grew up a single mom, three boys. We ate everything and destroyed. We were like locusts, my, my brothers and I. I get it. Some of you aren't there yet. I want to encourage you to head there, step towards there, get there, and test the Lord in this. There are many places that the tithe has been normalized. It's all throughout scripture, but I want to show you what it actually looks like. So I've asked the team and, and, and we're read your Bible, do what it says church. And for some of us, you're just thinking about it kind of uh, in, in numbers in your head and you're going, I got to get back to my budget and I got to get a ruler out and some charts and whatever. So let me just illustrate it for you. So we got these two tables and um, this is a, a great way to see it. Some of you saw this illustration we did about five years ago but I want you to see it again today. So, so we've got these two tables, thank you guys. And I'm gonna ask our team to come on out. So this is gonna be your house. This is gonna be all of your supply and everything you need to do life. And we're gonna, we went out and bought like $600 worth of produce here, y'all, this is great. So we got 10 of everything, thank you, thank you. Now the first one goes to God. So this is God's house right here, okay? This is LifePoint Church, because you all go to LifePoint, this is your church. And then we got nine other watermelons. So we're gonna tithe to the Lord, because right, because I'm a watermelon farmer, everybody. Thank you, Walmart. That's my farm. 
uh, the produce section at Walmart. So we got 10 watermelons, but we're going to give one to God's house. You know why? Because that, that there may be food in my house, the Bible says, right? Oh, come on, Jesus. We love cauliflower. Nope. Um, it is not mashed potatoes, no matter what you say, or pizza crust. But we got 10 of them. We're going to give one to God's house because there's some vegan around here that loves this junk. And then we're going to... Now we're going to feed our family with what's left. What do we have coming up now? We got some red cabbage. Let's go. Coleslaw, anybody? So we're going to give one to God's house because we got 10. You guys are seeing the math here. Come on. We'll, uh... But this is what we're feeding our family with. They're going to be very regular for the next couple weeks. All right, we've got some papaya here. This is awesome. Anybody like these? These are great, aren't they? It's kind of unique. It feels like some really luxurious, like, Space fruit, but it's very normal. Anyway, uh, we're going to give one to God because we put the Lord first. By the way, one of the coolest um, offerings I've ever been given as a pastor, y'all can come as fast as you want. Um, we, I, I preach, we got some regular old school lettuce. Let's go. Let us break bread together. Okay. Um, I was preaching for a guy in uh, 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 Nicaragua once, and um, <clears throat> they gave me a chicken. As a preacher, they were like, he, he said, I got all these chickens, but the best one and the biggest one, thank you, bananas, let's go. We're going to give our first set of bananas to the Lord, and we're going to give all the rest of the bananas to our daughters for uh, riding to school. This is their breakfast every day. Anyway, he gave me a chicken. He said, I want to give God's man, the, the preacher, my biggest, fattest, and my best chicken. And uh, by the way, that was the coolest thing anyone's ever given me as a minister was a chicken. Um, but he gave his best. We got avocado. We're going to have guac today. Now look, you're looking at this table and you're like, man, this does not seem fair. Don't forget God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Don't forget God doesn't need your money. He definitely doesn't need kale, but we're going to give him some. And uh, he doesn't need your stuff. Listen, this is us appropriating our heart towards the Lord to say, God, I've got all of this, but I'm going to put you first. I'm going to give you what you have said I bring back to you. God gave me all of this. And so, Lord, as a thank you for all of this, I'm going to give you some of this. Come on now. It's time for pineapple. We've got some smoothies going on. This is a great illustration, by the way. And after fourth service, you can come and have any of this that you want, by the way, because uh, we will give it away. So we've got lemons. Let's go. Got you one lemon. Jesus needs that uh, for all the Pharisees. And <laughs> now we've got lemons here. Do we have uh, more things coming out? Cantaloupe. The, again, the image is your family is well supplied, your home is well supplied, but we're taking care of the church. Now look, we got 10% and it seems so unequal and unfair. We're like, man, God, God's going to starve on this diet. Now here's what I want you to remember. Imagine 2,500 families in our church. Thank you for these grapes. Let's go. Sweet globe grapes. These are great. Can you imagine Every one of your homes starts looking like this, but then 2,500 families contribute this. I mean, this would literally cover the entire stage. Here's the, here's the key. God's plan is the people of God provide for the house of God. And I just do my part, but when we do our part, all of a sudden God's table looks like the entire stage is covered. This is where we do ministry and we do missions and we plant churches. And God says, I want your house to be well supplied. Remember the proverb, he says, honor the Lord with your first and I will overflow your vats and your barns to overflowing. Thank you guys for the help with the illustration. And, and, and you look at this and you go, what good is 10% to God? I mean, if I make 100, what does God need my $10 with? But when the whole church does this, 
Listen to me. Imagine what we can do for God if we're all in on God's plan. The plan of God is that the people of God provide for the house of God. So all of a sudden, you're one family versus 2,500 families, and you say, some of us have a, a, the wrong mindset. We go, well, my stuff doesn't make a difference. It's the collection of the family of God. Listen to me. It's when the whole church practices the tithe together. Write this down. We practice the tithe together. Listen to me. We're a family. We're a body of Christ together. And I want to show you some stats of how the benefit of this, which may not look like much in your contribution. This is about $600 worth of fruit and vegetables. So about $60. That's a couple days, that's like most of our entire fruit intake for a year for some of us. Um, still too much, right? Yeah. But as we do this collectively and we practice this together, all of a sudden, the stuff starts falling off the table of what we can do for God. You know, I, I, I struggle, you know, in coaching pastors a lot of times, one of the greatest problems pastors have is they say, we, we don't ever have enough for blank, 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 blank. That's why many churches are run on... Um, fundraisers, and they're, they're constantly asking for more. Have you ever been in a church where it felt like every week there's a third offering and then there's a bake sale in the lobby and all that kind of stuff? Listen, I promise you, I don't ever want to run this church on bake sales and fundraisers, ever. But if we would collectively do this, your house will be provided for. God says you can test him in this. And then this times the size of the church. Listen, everything God wants to do with us and it's us. It's not Mike and Stephanie and our team. It's us. Everything God wants to do with us, he'll pay for it as we honor the Lord in our first fruits. You can't, you can't go and like start stealing from God, but you start withholding from God. Here's what it looks like for some of us. We're like, you know what? That's probably enough. I don't think God doesn't even eat kale like any other naturally smart person. And so let me just hang back a little bit. This is a tight month. Christmas is coming. Lord, you know my heart. And the thing is, you can't steal from God. You can just withhold from him. But I want to encourage you to never get to that place. If you're there now, never get to that place again. Because everything the Lord wants to do, he'll, we'll do it. And he'll pay for it. I mean, the new campus is, listen, I got $50 million worth of dreams and vision. I just need y'all to catch up. I believe God has our church to be multi-site, even in multi-states. I think of us doing way more with YAPAC and in jail ministry and doing more with your kids and students, next generation ministry. There's so many things that God would have us do to be, how many of you excited about being a debt-free church? Come on, Jesus. Well, what if we really went all in with money the way God teaches us? Remember what I said earlier. We all say that we wanna have a God-first in every area of our lives. Well, this is actually about putting God first in this area of money. We can't say we want God first with our money and then withhold what he says to bring him and to honor and treat holy. By the way, when you live this way, how many of you know this fruit would never last? This is gonna go bad in what, two weeks or less? So here's what ends up happening. Man, I have more than enough. Y'all wanna build that other campus? No problem. I got more than enough. Hey, y'all wanna do more for the kingdom? Hey, our church is, is doing a big missions push next year. We're going on six different trips to the Central America. And man, I have so much, I'm never gonna use it all. But if you live with a treasures on earth attitude, it's I can't give it, it's mine. 
but when you live in a treasures in heaven, it's all God, so he can use it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It sets your heart differently when you become generous. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, I'll give you this, says, as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech, how many of you are good with faith, you're growing in God, in your speech and knowledge, growing in the word, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this grace of generosity also. The Apostle Paul is calling us to be excelling in giving and being generous. A couple things I just want you to remember. We're not our own. Everything we have belongs to God. Everything we're treasuring is gonna end up in an estate sale for, for us one day. So do what you can for God with it. God loves first faith. So do it first. Put the Lord first. He'll open blessings on you and he'll hold off the devourer for you. Remember that God owns it all, so give back what's his. Give back this tithe and make it holy unto the Lord. Uh, a few years ago, a magazine called Relevant Magazine wrote an article, uh, basically, and this is before pandemic and inflation and all that kind of stuff, but what if the church tithed? Like every Christian in every church in the world tithed. And they estimated that the church of today isn't great at giving, only about 20% of most churches are actual 10% tithers. But what if the whole church tithe, everyone at LifePoint tithe 10%? They say that within one year, um, they would give an additional $165 billion into global relief and efforts. And 25 billion of that in one year uh, of giving could relieve global hunger within five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy within five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues and $110 billion would be left over to continue to do the work of ministry. That's annually. Could you imagine if God's people did God's money God's way? And I wanna challenge you, remember what I said, if you want the Ramsey Plus suite, we'd love for you to have it, it's our gift to you. And if you've never been a tither or giver before, try this for 90 days and let the Lord prove himself. Have you been blessed today, LifePoint Church? Come on, Austin P. online. Let me pray for you and I'll get you out of here. And I challenge you to take a step forward. Become a first-time giver, become a first-time tither. Put the Lord first, let your life look overflowing and full. And let God's house have from all of us, all that God has for us in Jesus' name. God, we are so honored and thankful for the opportunity to hear this word, to learn about your plan for generosity and giving and tithing. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to step forward in faith. God, may we check our hearts that we're not greedy or in a lust for money or lust for stuff or trying to store up treasures on earth. God, that we would be treasures in heaven people, putting the tithe first. God, maybe some of us would do that in our business. We could do that with our companies. God, we could do that with our families. Lord, this is not about LifePoint getting money. It's about us giving our whole heart to you and putting you first in this area. And God, I trust and believe in all my heart. I've seen it over and over and over again. I trust that you will provide for your people in ways they've never seen before. Lord, may we put you to the test. For these next three months, may we put you to the test. For some of us that have tithed for years, maybe it's time for us to take a step forward and move in our giving to a higher capacity. God, we would never put a minimum on you, but God, we'd say, Lord, what else do you want? What more do you need from me? Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would bless the gift and the giver, and pray an increase to the fruit of righteousness, and that lives would be changed and ministry would continue. And God, we could change the world through generosity and giving in Jesus' name. 
Lord, we thank you that we can live for you. I wanna ask everybody in the room, if you've never made a commitment and a decision to serve Jesus with your life, that you make sure that that's right today. Say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to recommit myself to the Lord. And that's you today, and you just wanna pray with me. I wanna lead you in a prayer. Everybody pray this and mean it from the bottom of your heart with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin as a gift from God so that I can live forever. Say, I give you my whole life in return. I repent of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and your mercy. I'm all yours. I'm all in. In Jesus' name, to God be the glory. Amen, everybody. Come on, amen.